take command of your life, take command of your life story, take command of the message of you and find your message now. Find, find that message now, find it and use it to become an influencer in the world. Welcome to Improv is No Joke podcast, where it's all about becoming a more effective communicator by embracing the principles of improvisation. I'm your host, Peter Margaritas, the self-proclaimed chief edutainment officer of my business, The Accidental Accountant. My goal is to provide you with thought-provoking interviews with business leaders so you can become an effective improviser, which will lead to building stronger relationships with clients, customers, colleagues, and even your family. So let's start the show. Welcome to episode 19 of Improv is No Joke podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. Today's guest is Judy Carter, who is an internationally acclaimed humorist and communications expert. As you will hear at the beginning of our interview, I have been a big fan of Judy's for a number of years after I read her book, The Comedy Bible. In our interview, I describe how we met and how that meeting helped to propel my speaking career. Judy is a wonderful coach who pushed me way, way, way outside my comfort zone and got me past my writer's block about writing comedy about the accounting profession. She also taught me a lot about the power of storytelling and delivering a powerful message to an audience. If you're curious about any of this, I highly recommend her book, The Message of You, and the online Message of You workshop which can be found at www.messageofyou.com. Before we get into the interview with Judy, I'd like to share with you a review I received on iTunes from Ash and Matt. Ash and Matt writes, Peter has a great way of showcasing his guests to speak about relevant topics impacting up-and-coming professionals in today's business environment. As someone who is growing into the next generation of leadership in my firm, all the topics have been timely and important to hear as I learn about where our firm's gaps lie and how we can improve and strengthen our succession plan. There has not been one podcast where I've not said to myself while listening, this person gets it. Peter understands the challenges of the accounting profession, and his guests provide resources and solutions to ensure we continue to grow and morph into the profession that will be sustainable for years to come. I have recommended Peter's podcast to colleagues and peers and encourage anyone in business, especially those in the accounting profession, to listen weekly. The insights provided are worth their weight in gold. I have to say that I'm rarely at a loss for words, but this is one of those times. I would just like to say to Ash and Matt, thank you so very much for that review and referring your colleagues to listen enjoying my podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you take five minutes and write an iTunes review. It helps the visibility in the iTunes world to attract a larger audience. If you're unsure of the steps in writing a review, please visit this episode on my website and look in the show notes for directions. And remember, you can listen to my podcast by downloading the episode from my website or on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And also, if you've not signed up for the SN Challenge, please go to my website, petermargaritas.com, and scroll down to the SN Challenge call to action and click to register to begin building the effective habit of yes and and the principles of improvisation. 
And remember to share your experiences on Twitter using the hashtag YesAndChallenge. Now, if you're unsure of what the Yes and Challenge is all about, I discussed this in greater detail in episode zero. So go back, take a listen. All right, without further ado, let's get to the interview with Judy Carter. Hey, everybody, I'm, I can't even, I'm almost speechless that uh, I'm so excited to have a guest today on my podcast, uh, Judy Carter. I'll let her tell you about about her background and stuff. But first and foremost, I know how busy she is. Uh, And for her to carve out this time to be part of this podcast, I'm so grateful for you doing this. I thank you so very much. And I'm looking forward to our conversation. Oh, yeah. Well, we are having the conversation right now. Thank you, Peter. (laughs) I got to say to you listening, when I met Peter, Uh (laughs) he came to me and he said, you know, Judy, I really want to speak. I'm already... Speaking, but I'm, I don't know, people seem to use my trainings to take a little nap. <laughs> and I went, you know, he said, can I be funnier? And I went, well, let's see, you're an accountant. Um, I'm not sure about that. You know, with all due respect, I love accountants. I love my accountant. They keep things organized, but they've never had me rolling on the floor in laughter. Okay. <laughs> Mostly rolling on the floor in pain when I see their bill. <laughs> Right. But then, (laughs) Peter, you were such a delight to work with, just an absolute delight. And from working with Peter, I developed these formulas. And now I know that they work because, Peter, you went out there, you got laughs. And I also showed you how to tell stories. And now when you speak, I know things have been going on with you. What's been going on? Oh, things have been great. I, ever since, I, I Judy was a coach of mine for a while. I actually, I met her at the NSA Laugh Lab. I went up to her and I, I have her comedy Bible. Uh, and I've referred to it many times, but I was having a hard time making accountants laugh. And I remember I said that to you after I introduced myself. And you just looked at me and said, uh, maybe like a movie trailer. I tell you, what, why don't tonight you go write a movie trailer about accountants and we'll talk about it tomorrow. So I, I did go do my homework and the next day we're sitting in, there's like a hundred people, NSA people, there's, there's a guy in there's got like 27 Emmys. I mean, there's some hitters in this room. Judy gets up to start her session and she stops and goes, hey, where's my accountant? And I'm going, <laughs> uh, raise my hand, she goes, did you do your homework? And I went, yes. Yeah. She was get up here and let's try it out. I almost wet myself. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I was so I I was so intimidated, and I got up there and I was shaking crazily. But I don't think anybody saw it and delivered it, and I got some laughs from it. But it, from that, we were able to start really developing it. And I went, if she was able to get me to do that, I got to have this lady to help me, and she did. She knocked it out of the park. I, I can't begin to thank her enough for all that she's done for my career and helping develop stories. And like I said, I've had the comedy Bible forever, and I refer to it often. I have it in hardback, and I have it on my iPad. Oh, my goodness. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get my Bible uh, and put it in all the hotel rooms. What do you think? <laughs> I think that's a great idea. <laughs> um, yeah, right, right next to the the the, the big Bible. <laughs> right now, now, how fun would that be? Is like I need a little inspiration, 
And, you know, and then you open it up and there's the comedy Bible. And it's like, okay, maybe I'll just get some laughs. <laughs> I think, well, maybe, you know what? Sometimes crazy ideas lead into something bigger. And you, I bet you could get a hotel chain to be a little edgy, maybe. And, no, and I don't do think the- so. <laughs> I don't think so. We probably shouldn't even go here. Uh, well, <laughs> that's that's why I like not really having any questions and just improv a whole interview. But the one question I do have is, can you give the audience a little bit about Judy Carter, a little bit about your background and what you're currently doing? Well, like most people, um, like most comics, of course, I had a difficult childhood. You can't, <laughs> I don't think you can find any comic who hasn't had a difficult childhood. And one thing we comics all have in common is that we see things that are problem problematic. We see things that are messes. We look at someone yelling at us. And like normal people who just go, oh, my God, this is horrible. We comics at some part of ourselves go, this is material. Right. And I built that into a career as a stand-up comic. I was the opening act. Um, You know, mostly comics are open for a star. And I got to travel with Prince, who was incredible, and open for him. I... um, I traveled the world uh, performing. I did um, did my shows for the Israeli army in Hebrew, although I didn't know <laughs> Hebrew. I just memorized it. So they were screaming, I'm sure, insults or, you know, this Hebrew equivalent of, you suck. And I'm going, thank you. Because it's really great if you don't understand uh, the language. Um, yeah, that was a disaster. Anyway. Anyway, I did that for 17 years, and then I had an episode where I just didn't want to do it anymore. You know, these things happen in life where you just maybe realize that um, working for drunks and um, coming home and feeling like I might, you know, just smoke two packs of cigarettes because in those days uh, they didn't have no smoking And I just went, you know, I want to do something else. And that's when I wrote a book called, uh, that. my first book was Stand Up Comedy, the book. And I wrote it and I was so excited. And then it was rejected by 59 agents. It was finally accepted. You only have to find one person, people. Right. Those of you writing a book. Anyway, I found one my one person, and uh, it got published by Random House. One other woman li- really liked the book. Uh, maybe you heard of her, Peter. I don't know. Oprah? Oprah? Oh, like a big old? Wait, let me give you her oh. last name. Winfrey? Oh, Oprah okay. Winfrey. Yeah, got it. Got it. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, because nobody knows Oprah. So right. how many Oprahs are there, right? Right. So she held my book next to her bosom, and like <laughs> everything else held next to her bosom, it, it, it just like took off. Yeah. I was started to teach comedy, and so many people went through my workshop. Seth Rogen started his career um, at my workshop. Um, so many people, like every time I go to a comedy club, oh, I used your book. I've written many since then. Um, and then I started getting calls from the corporate culture to uh, corporate culture. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> does that call, Judy? Duh. <laughs> Corporations started calling me going, hey, can you help us lighten up the workplace and, and help us you know, decrease stress? And then I became a stress reduction speaker. <laughs> oh, figure. I'm not a nurse or you know, well, sometimes at night I like to dress like one, but that's another story. <laughs> 
So anyway, I became um, a stress reduction speaker, and I have spoken for FedEx and Johnson Johnson, Procter and Gamble, and the, again traveling the world, um, doing comedy workshops. And now my latest book came out called "The Message of You" because all these comics started, you know, hearing me um, speak, and they're going like, "Wait a second, you get out there and you just speak for an hour, and they pay you all that money." And I pay, really? Really? And you're not saying like a cockroach infested <laughs> comedy condo? Really? No, you're saying the Four Seasons? What? So I wrote this book called The Message of You because I really realized that everyone, even accountants, are doing what they do in life. Not just people think like, oh, I just fell into this or I just fell into my job or I, you know, I'm a comic just because, you know, I don't know, it just kind of happened. We all have this attitude that our life is absolute random and chaotic. Uh, And reading my book, The Message of You, uh, people find that, oh, no, it's not. It's not random. It's not chaotic that you actually have a message in your life and every day you're living that message and you have something in your stories and what you've gone through that if you share can really help other people and create a ripple effect of inspiration. And so I wrote this book and then I created a university, an online, I don't want to use the word university anymore because- (laughs) I wonder wonder why. (laughs) I wonder why. So um, uh, I have an online workshop we launched at the beginning of the year. We've had the winter quarter and the uh, spring quarter, and it's been wildly successful. Matter of fact, one person just went through it, got her first $5,000 gig, and that's the message of you.com. There, I'm done with my spiel about who I am, and I'm totally caught up. Great. Uh, and I will be a testament for both of her books. Uh, and actually, I don't know if I shared the story with you or not, but... Uh, in February, I did some stand-up uh, for a friend of mine in Detroit, and he does a lot of theater, a lot of sketch comedy with this theater group that he has, but he was going to do stand-up that night with me. And when I got to Michigan, we were talking about it. I didn't realize he'd never done stand-up before. So I asked him, so what are you using to write? He said, I bought this book called The Comedy Bible. <laughs> and he goes, I read it inside and out, upside and down, and... I told him, I said, be careful, because you know what the difference between stand-up comedy and heroin is? He goes, what? I said, you can't quit stand-up when you start getting those laughs. (laughs) (laughs) You can always quit heroin. (laughs) Oh, that is great. I haven't haven't heard that. Oh, I thought that was... Where did did you hear that? Oh, I heard that years ago. I use it all the time. Oh, Because a person like myself, who's a frustrated comic, that I still want to do stand-up, I still try to do stand-up, and and I I can't quit because, especially when you get that belly laugh, when you really get that belly laugh. But the the, the second book, The Message of You, when we met in Las Vegas, uh, you hadn't published the book yet. It was still in process. But the coaching that we went through at the time basically mirrors the book because I... um, I ended up buying the book once it was released and and read it, and I went, okay, this is everything she's teaching me. Now, if you're if you're looking for a coach that will give it to you straight, will not you know fluff it up and be nice and just hit you right between the eyes, 
get Judy to coach you because that was our agreement uh, through the period of time that we worked. I want the feedback. I want constructive criticism. Don't sugarcoat it. And she goes, are you sure? Because I can be kind of blunt. <laughs> you know, you're making me sound sort of like a um, comedy dominatrix. I don't know if I like this. <laughs> no, no. I just, I, I just really appreciated that you gave it to me straight. You're an excellent excellent teacher. I don't, I don't I, I guess from my perspective, you know, I don't want to sugarcoat it. I just want to write, especially for somebody who's got the experience that you have uh, and, and all the things that you've done, the people that you've coached over the years. And you did, <laughs> do you remember teaching me how to tell a story? Mr. Chronological, you kept calling me. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, here's, let's talk about storytelling. A little bit. I mean, most people tell a story as a data dump. This happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened. And even if the things that are happening are interesting, they don't finesse the story in such a way to make it dramatic or funny or or set it up, draw people in and all of that. Right. And I know, the. I remember the issue you had, <laughs> which was that, you know, you didn't want to reveal anything particularly personal about your life, your family, and a, and certainly all, you know, anything that makes us look less attractive, the messes in our life. And right. yet, as I say in my, in my courses, is that you can't spell message without your mess, M-E-S-S, mm -hmm. -E the first four letters. And you can't see the mess in your life without age, A-G-E. So that's, that's, hard a lot of people. A lot of people um, just want to say, and then I got really successful, but they don't want to like go into the point of when they were struggling and when perhaps they didn't feel hopeful and they didn't know what to do and they were in a real mess. And that's what makes people interesting. And I remember that we revealed a um, story about your family and when things weren't going so right and how there was a time in your life where you realized something, and I call that your eureka moment. In the um, message of you, I show you how to go through your life and find that uh, eureka moment where things changed. And then, you know, what you've gone through really is something that has value for other people. All transparency, when you were telling me about this, I was going, okay, okay, but I didn't, honestly, I didn't believe it. I, I really didn't. I, I, I followed your formula. We and it was at times it was like a therapy session. Um, you know, I, t I talked about the time I had a hole in my heart, and, and I talked about my son with the ADHD and, and whatever. But you taught me how to tell that story, how to bring people in, how to up and down. And you said you will change lives by doing this. And I gave it lip service. I went yes and okay. But I can I can tell you that that keynote address that you helped me write, Embrace Your Inner Superhero, I've had more people come up to me afterwards to say, yeah, I've got, I wish I'd have listened more to what my kid was saying versus shoving my agenda on him because, oh, I had a cousin like this. Or actually, that speech inspired me to write the book. And one participant who got my book wrote to me two or three days afterwards and said, when you talk about your son and ADHD, 
we had the same issue with our son, but we've dis- we've dismissed the idea that he could have ADHD. However, after reading your book, we're going to explore it. And I followed up with this person about two months later. And yeah, and his world has changed dramatically. And I owe it. I owe all of that to you. Wow. Well, thank you. I should have charged you more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this now. Then uh, <laughs> the, the CPA part of me does come out at times, but you know, I, I think where that the message of you and, and think about. I mean, we, we talk about storytelling, and we think about CEOs or, or controllers or whatever. We live in a very fact-driven world, and when you're telling a story with just data. Nobody's paying attention. Yes. But if you can weave a story in with the data, it becomes much more powerful. And the tools that you taught me, I still use to this day. And when I'm talking in my courses, I'm crafting a story around it, around the data, if it is data-driven, in order to make that impact. And I know I was not that successful prior to spending that time with you. Well, thank you, Peter. You're welcome. I'll send you checks in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> so the 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 online workshop is is a, is a success. Uh, you're taking on students a lot. Uh, the book has been a success, and I went out to your website uh, today, and you have the message of you journal. Can you talk about what that the, the journal piece is? Yeah. Well, the subtitle of that is "Find Extraordinary Stories in Ordinary Day." You know, I very often get calls from politicians, uh, their their agents going, oh, God, can you help this candidate? He's telling the same old story all the time. And we get to a certain age where we go, we have these stories. We're not even living our life anymore because we go to tell a story. It's always back to some dramatic event. And I wrote the message of you journal because I started to keep a journal and it was really boring. And I went, you know, and I lost interest in it. Look what I ate today. Oh, I gained another pound. Oh, gosh. Anyway, so it was boring and I didn't know. And so I wanted to create a journal, a way that I could capture what happens in a day and find the essential story of that day and find the message of that day. So I created this journal. It's just a simple download from my website, uh, if you go to uh, judycarter.com, you can download that. And it's just a very simple way to go what happened today and make it and find one moment in the day where something that upset you, because we find that when the things upset you, they kind of hook into something that happened before, usually in your childhood. And from that, we can glean a message. And we don't have to wait for dramatic things to happen to us because extraordinary events are happening every day. And when we can capture that, it it helps us find exactly what is our legacy. Because if you lead an unexamined life, you're going to end up on your deathbed going, what the hell was all of that about? <laughs> and I want people to know what the hell that was all about now, before you die, because your message is going to be spoken and it's going to be spoken at your funeral. And, you know, at your funeral, people are going to get up and tell stories about you. 
Well, and then everybody will get this wonderful idea of the kind of person you are or you weren't, or, you know, <laughs> and they're not going to get it right. So why not take command of your life, take command of your life story, take command of the message of you and find your message now. Find, find that message now. Find it and use it to become an influencer in the world. That sounded pretty good. That sounded wonderful. Actually, <laughs> uh, you got me really thinking about that. Um, so it's a da- it's a daily journal, but you're looking for those areas of frustration of being upset. So I flew out of O'Hare yesterday. Uh-huh. <laughs> there were a couple of areas that I was trying not to get upset about. Uh, TSA being one, and two, having to wait 45 minutes before we could actually take off, which set us behind getting here. So it's, it's looking at that. Then, then what do we do? With, say that again. What do we do with that information once we've identified those events? We try to trace it back? Well, it's it's a process. It's a formula where you ask yourself anytime you get angry, when did I feel like this before? And we try and find the, the the time in our life what happened to us. And that actually shows us what we're committed to. And once you understand yourself a bit better, so perhaps you, you call it therapy. <laughs> um, what is therapy except um, knowledge about yourself, understanding what motivates you, what rules you, because that's power. Yeah. I mean, people go to therapy, I guess some of them should be a narcissist and just be self-involved with themselves. Right. But a lot of people want self-knowledge so they can use it to be an influencer in the world. So they're able to answer that question. What do I want to do? What do I want to be when I grow up, really? Right. And what kind of difference do I want to make in other people's lives? And I think as we get more seasoned in the workplace and have some more experiences behind us. I think we do go into that point of, is it paying it forward? Is, is it sharing the experiences or whatever? Our, our mindset begins to change. I know mine has, uh, that I want to try to you know help. And, and that's part of the reason for the podcast, giving the information to those who are in the audience to hopefully that help them in their daily work, life, whatever. And I could see this helping my audience in the sense of how many times do business leaders have to get up and do a presentation? And no matter what the topic is, and if you can become more vulnerable and share as it relates to the topic at hand, I I think you gain gain a lot of respect or or you're seen in a completely different light. And it's... You become human. I guess is the word. You're seen as human. I, I'm. I'm. When we're done, I'm downloading the. Uh, thing and, and I'm gonna. I'm gonna try it out because, as you said, trace it back. When was the last time you felt like this? I said, and my mind went the Philadelphia airport. Then let's go back even further. Where did that? The, the LaGuardia. <laughs> so, but that's. I mean, seriously, Judy, that's pretty powerful stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. That's why I, I, I did it. <laughs> wow. So you went from a stand-up comic to really having a major impact on people's lives. Uh, did you ever think that 20-some-odd years ago that that would be your 
ultimate legacy? No, um, I always am redefining my life because I actually did start as a magician. <laughs> you know, as the <laughs> That's first right. <laughs> uh, person to ever, a woman ever worked the magic castle. Uh, it was kind of like all these guys. And what what I found though was that you know I had to keep thinking of new magic tricks and all and schlepping all those props. And one day when um, the airline didn't bring my luggage and I had to go on, um, I started doing comedy. But then I found like I really wanted to do some stories that weren't particularly funny, that more had a heartfelt. Um, resonance and a comedy club wasn't the place for that. I mean, right. I'm following a guy who's just been spending, you know, pretty much the last half hour talking about, you know, um, herpes <laughs> and, you know, and, and other lower chakra things. And, you know, and something smelled like fish and, and it's like, and I'm following this and, and I was just started to go, I, I I I think I've done this, and now I want to expand. So now I I started to bring comedy to unusual places like the corporate corporate market, um, and and they loved me. They they drank me like they were thirsty, <laughs> you know. Really seriously, yeah. that they, they were so they they had so many speakers who are just boring and data and 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 people don't they respond to emotion, not, not data. So I started to, I really enjoy coaching um, people who are sort of what I call techies, you know, Mm -hmm. people who have the death by PowerPoint slideshow (laughs) and, you know, with all the bullet points on them, you know, and their information is good. I'm not saying it's not good. They have, people have great information, but it's truly how you deliver your information that's important. And if you can deliver it in a way that touches people and makes people laugh, they'll retain it better and they'll stay awake and they'll so appreciate you. You hit all three of them right on the head. Yes. I, I, yeah, as you know, I'm the chief edutainment officer of my business because I believe to educate, you need to entertain in order to retain. And the more that we can engage that audience, the more that we can make them laugh, the more that we can uh, communicate. It's not a presentation, it's a conversation. It's that whole cha- change in the mindset. The more response you get from your audience, positive, and just the ability because to speak to an audience of CPAs, whether it's an hour or eight, and to keep them awake the whole time is magical. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Uh, Judy, before I let you go, first, thank you very much. And I'll thank you again. But what, I, what I'm doing with my audience is I'm, as we close out the, the episode, I'm doing like a, a 10 quick questions just so we get to know you just a little bit better. You haven't seen these questions. And it's from what, what I do know about you, albeit. Uh, a little bit about you, but just to help the audience get to know you just a little bit better. So are are you up for this? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, L.A. or New York City? L.A. L.A. Kevin Hart or Kevin Nealon? Well, I have to say Kevin Nealon because I personally am friends with him. So, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What's your favorite movie? 
Groundhog Day. Oh, I wow. can watch that movie over and over again. <laughs> What's your favorite restaurant? Oh, gosh. Well, any restaurant who makes a good dirty martini is good <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but a really good dirty martini. A really really good, cold in a big glass and just the right amount of dirt in it. Just the right amount of dirt. Not mud, just dirt. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Comedy Store or the Gotham Comedy Club? Oh, boy. Uh, you're putting me in an awkward position. <laughs> you, you, you can claim the fifth if you like. Claiming the fifth on that one. Okay. Favorite actor or actress? Oh, my goodness. Favorite actor, actress. I, well, you know what? I'm going to go back way, way back and because when I was a little, like really, 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 really young, and the first person I saw on TV that I fell in love with that made me um, realize that a woman could be on TV and be funny was Gracie Allen. Oh, wow. I was thinking, as you were describing, I was wondering, is it Lucille Ball? But wow. No, no, it wasn't Lucille Ball. Um, it was Gracie yeah. Allen. Because she just stood with George Burns and... And it, it was a dynamic where she was the star and he was the second banana. So unlike life. And right. I I like that it was a husband wife team where she was getting all the attention and the laughs, which is very different than in my family. <laughs> and I just I just loved her instantly. Wow, that's great. Um, what's your favorite joke that you've created? Oh, I. I figure I this would be a hard no, one. No, I. That's a hard one. I mean, ask. Um, uh, what's my favorite? Oh, okay, I got one. <laughs> I have the favorite joke that I created was um, a joke that I actually got used by Senator Barbara Boxer, our senator in our state of California, and it was a joke about compassionate conservatism, and um, they were trying to find a way to knock it. But you know, it was hard. It's hard to it was hard to do to make funny. So I wrote, "Yeah, I think compassionate conservatism means that uh, just as many people are going to the electric chair, but now it's going to have lumbar support." That's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be funny, but I, I'm proud of that joke because it was used for a cause. That's that's great. <laughs> uh, okay, I gotta quit laughing. Jimmy Fallon or Johnny Carson? Uh, Jimmy Fallon, because Johnny Carson, I won't even go into it. But, okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, number nine. Do you prefer dogs or six-toed cats? Oh, my God. In front of my dog and my cats, you're going to make me answer that? I don't think I can because uh, there's going to be revenge. There's going to be tea in some kind of place. Right. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize that. The, the the family the kids were were behind you, <laughs> but I did I did my research to know that I, you're, you you do own six toed cats, correct? Yes, although I did lose one of the toes in a divorce. Oh, but that's another story. <laughs> that's another story. All right, last question: What's one thing that you haven't checked off your bucket list that you would like to check off soon? Well, and maybe somebody who's listening can help me with this. You know those planes that land on an aircraft carrier and they take off? Yeah. 
um, with no runway. They just, um, I guess there's this huge rubber man and just flings them into the air. Yeah. That's on my bucket list. Do you want to fly or be a passenger in one of those? Passenger. Oh, no, I don't. definitely don't want to fly one. <laughs> okay. Absolutely not. But that's that's total bucket list. But so many of the other things I've already done. Well, okay. Well, um, I know one of my audience members will be my uncle, a retired colonel from the United States Air Force based out of uh, San Antonio. Uh, we may be able to knock that one off for you. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> I... I I, I wouldn't put out because I'm not doing that anymore, but I would. <laughs> you know, I have I have performed. I will I will do a free show for the military. And I have done a lot of talks for the Air Force. They actually let me drive a, a what's it called? A simulator where I, <laughs> you know, was was in like I was driving a plane yeah. and kept crashing it. But there were no consequences. because <laughs> It was just simulated. But. Yeah, I I I I love doing, uh, especially if I'm coming down to a aircraft carrier where everybody's cramped and there's so much stress, they could use my talk, right? Oh, exactly. Right? Exactly. I'll get myself there. I just <laughs> I just want a little ride on one of those. That'd be that'd be okay. Bucket list. <laughs> I can die now. We we can we can see if we can make that work for you. <laughs> Judy, I can't begin to thank you enough for everything. One, for taking time to be part of this. Two, for everything that you've helped me with in my career. I greatly appreciate it. I, I, I'm glad that we still stay in touch. And you know, if I can ever help you in any which way, shape, or form, all you got to do is ask. Oh, you know what I want now. <laughs> well, I, I just want to say I'm proud of you because, you know, to be funny like you did, you took risk. And if any of your listeners want to know some comedy formulas that I taught you, I'll give it to your listeners, three of them at least, free. Okay. Download, just email free at judycarter.com and you'll get that. So you can just put that out there. Wow. Great. Thank you so very much. That's very generous of you to uh, have a giveaway to my audience. And I will make sure that information is also in the show notes and in the transcripts. So thank you again, Judy, for taking time. I always enjoy our conversations. All right, Peter. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. As you could tell, I had so much fun interviewing Judy. Our conversation about storytelling is essential in getting your message across to your audience. As I said in the interview, I really struggled in grasping the concept because I was doing a chronological data dump versus having a theme and crafting a story from my experiences around that theme. In all good stories, there are heroes and villains. And in your story, you're the hero and the villain can be almost anything. It can be a health issue, a financial issue, or even a personal issue. Bring the emotion to help to heighten the story. It gets your audience's attention. You might be listening and saying to yourself, that's all good, but you can't tell a story around financial data. Well, that's where you're incorrect. You can, and I just developed a new course titled Financial Storytelling that I delivered to a group of Maryland CPAs in September. Tim Samuels was one of the attendees and wrote a review of the course on my Google business site that said, and I'm paraphrasing, it was a fantastic course that was entertaining, which helped me retain the information. Key insights were learned that I took back immediately to the office. I have to give a big thanks to Judy for helping me learn the techniques of effective storytelling. 
And by the way, if you happen to be curious on what I wrote as that movie trailer, excuse me, I mean a superhero movie trailer, here it is. Faster than an IRS audit. More powerful than an Excel pivot table. Able to leap all accounting acronyms in a single bound. Look, over there by Starbucks. Who's that drinking that double espresso and talking to strangers? Oh my, it's Super CPA. Yes, it's Super CPA. The strange CPA from Planet Extrovertius who came to Earth with communication powers and problem-solving abilities far beyond those of mortal CPAs. Super CPA who can stop high turnover in his tracks, who can focus on a task despite office distraction, who, by the way, is disguised as a mild-mannered staff accountant with a tattoo on the right bicep that says, born to excel, a nose ring, and can text 50 words a minute, who fights that never-ending battle of excessive regulations, low office morale, and the 17-hour workday. It's Super CPA! Yes, I do use that movie trailer, excuse me, that superhero movie trailer in my keynote speech, Embrace Your Inner Superhero, which usually gets a lot of laughs. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you feel so moved, I would greatly appreciate it if you'd write a review on iTunes. I think Judy would appreciate it as well. Remember to take Judy up on her free offer of three comedy formulas by emailing her at free at judycarter.com. In the subject line, put improv is no joke, free offer. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And once again, if you feel so moved, I would really greatly appreciate it if you'd write a review on iTunes. I think Judy would appreciate it as well. In episode 20, I interview Lisa Marie Anderson, who's a partner in the accounting firm of Morrison Company in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So until next time, use the principles of improvisation and start crafting more powerful stories. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.